Well, hello there and welcome to, of course, the Archaeology News Weekly. I am, well, it's never weekly, is it? I am, of course, your host, David Connolly. I should say it's been a, a rather busy time and it's going to get busy again for me with me off to Canada in the matter of hours to eat some survey and buildings archaeology recording to some lovely people. Anyway, it's been a very busy day. As you can imagine, there's a lot going on. I've been uh, also off uh, doing the field school that I do at Rampart, Scotland. I've also been up at Balbithin in uh, what's called Aberdeenshire, or northeast Scotland. And just like to say a little hello to Francis. Very nice to meet you, albeit briefly. Now you know what I look like and uh, what the voice comes out of. Anyway... I'm I'm going to confess something to you. It's like, it, again, it's actually archaeology news, and it is, bizarrely enough, uh, prehistoric archaeology news. But I'll tell you, the next time I go off recording Bronze Age uh, cairns and Iron Age hut circles in a forest, I'm going to wait until the bracken and forns are down so I can actually see the ground. All the stories. Yes, we're back on track again. All the stories have been collected from various sources and to view details in each story, including that all-important source, well, you're going to have to go to the Stone Pages website at news.stonepages.com. What have we got? Well, let's start off with some citizen archaeologists helping to rediscover the British Bronze Age. There's a technology boom about 50,000 years ago, correlating with less testosterone. And we've got a fragment of ancient ivory fitted again to a piece of a Paleolithic animal figurine. A schoolboy finds evidence of an ancient conflict in Wales, and every Saturday night, I think. And in Spain, uh, the tests continue to limit visits uh, to the Altamira cave. Earlier Stone Age artefacts are found in South Africa and in Romania. A really interesting story, this, and nothing about it. A cave holds some of the oldest hominid, or human, I should say, footprints in Europe. We've got ancient astronomy in northern Peru and road improvements leading to finds in Philadelphia. There's a prehistoric henge found in Austria. Fabulous. And we finish off with an early Clovis hunting ground discovered in Mexico. So where do we start? That was right, the citizen archaeologists. The British Museum's Bronze Age Index, an illustrated card catalogue containing over 30,000 records of Bronze Age tools and weapons, complements the current Portable Antiquities Scheme database of metal object finds. Begun way back in the early 20th century, it was the first catalogue of its kind, and probably the first British archaeology initiative to call on the public to help document British prehistory. Following in the footsteps of the creators of the index, the museum is now again calling on the public to help research this important resource. Since late 2013, the digitisation of the entire index has been undertaken by the Micropast project, employing help from citizen archaeologists, and in fact I've got to say I'm one of them, to assist in transcribing the information contained on the cards. But undertaking these transcriptions, it will be possible to incorporate the index's 30,000 records onto the PAS database, which on its own includes nearly one million objects collected by the public, of course mainly by metal detectorists. Additionally, people are helping to create 3D models of objects, which I have to say is great fun, many of which are recorded by the index. The result will be a largest national database of prehistoric metal finds anywhere in the world and a near comprehensive view of what we currently know about such finds in the UK. Metal finds are not only crucial forms of evidence for dating British 
prehistoric past, but also tells us a great deal about the prehistoric society and economy. The creation of the database will allow us to rethink and reimagine everything we currently know about the use of metal from the Bronze Age onwards, giving us a more comprehensive view of our past. To find out more about the Micropasts or to help with the research, visit the project's website at Micropasts, that's M-I-C-R-O-P-A-S-T-S, micropasts.org. Great fun, as I said. Now, modern humans appear in the fossil record around about 200,000 years ago, but it was only around 50,000 years ago that we find widespread evidence of bone and antler tools, as well as heat-treated and flaked flint projectile weapons, fishing and birding equipment, as well as complete mastery of fire. Scientists have shown that at around the same time that culture was blossoming, human skulls changed in a way that indicated a lowering of the testosterone levels. The study is based upon data gained from more than 1,400 ancient and modern skulls. Robert Gieri, a biology graduate student at the University of Utah in the USA, explained that the modern human behaviours of technological innovation, making art and rapid cultural exchange, probably came at the same time that we developed a more cooperative temperament. Heavy brows were out, as they say, rounder heads were in, and these changes can be traced directly to testosterone levels acting on the skeleton. This is according to Duke anthropologist Stephen Churchill, who's been supervising the early work on the subject. Why they can't tell from the bones, what they can't tell from the bones, sorry, is whether these humans had less testosterone in circulation or fewer receptors for the hormone. The research team included animal cognition researchers Brian Hare and Jingji Tan, who say that the argument is in line with what has been established in non-human species. In a classic study of Siberian foxes, animals that appear less wary and less aggressive towards humans took on a different, more juvenile appearance and behaviour after several generations of selective breeding. If prehistoric people began living closer together and passing down new technologies, they would have to be tolerant of each other. The key to our success, says Kerry, is the ability to cooperate and get along and learn from one another. Well, if only that was the case across the whole of the human race. Now, archaeologists from the University of Chewingham have found a fragment of mammoth ivory belonging to a 40,000-year-old animal figurine. The figurine depicting a lion was discovered during excavations in 1931. The new fragment makes up one side of the figurine's head. Both were found in the Vogelherd cave in southwestern Germany, which has yielded a number of remarkable works of art dating to the Ice Age. Professor Nicholas Conrad of Chewingham University explained that the sculpture is one of the most famous Ice Age works of art and until now was thought of only as a relief. The reconstructed figurine clearly now represents a three-dimensional structure um, sculpture. Renewed excavations and analysis of Vogelherd Cave have been ongoing for nearly 10 years. The site has yielded a wealth of objects that illuminate the development of early symbolic artefacts dating to the period when modern humans were arriving in Europe and beginning to displace the indigenous Neanderthals. Vogelherd Cave has provided evidence of the world's earliest art and music and is a key element in the push to make the caves in the Swabian Jura a UNESCO World Heritage Site.
Vogelherd is one of four caves in the region where the world's earliest figurines have been found. Several dozen figurines and fragments have been found in the Vogelherd alone, and researchers are piecing together thousands of pieces of mammoth ivory. I've also, um, I remember it's uh, the little flutes that are made out of uh, swan bones. Absolutely fabulous. Now, ancient conflict in Wales, you got it. Evidence of this ancient conflict has been discovered at Cairo uh, Hillfort on the outskirts of what's present-day Cardiff in south-east Wales. Volunteers for the Care Heritage Project began digging at the site in early July, expecting to recover Roman and Iron Age finds. But a six-year-old schoolboy was the first to spot what turned out to be a Neolithic arrowhead dating to 3600 BCE. As the excavation of prehistoric ditches proceeded, volunteers unearthed a number of Neolithic finds, including flint tools and weapons like the arrowheads and scrapers, as well as fragments of polished stone axes and pottery. A dig last year revealed that the fort had been on the site of a powerful Iron Age community, predating the arrival of the Romans. The latest discovery pushes its history back a further 4,000 years. Nobody predicted this, said dig director Dr Dave Wyatt from Cardiff University. The previous excavations yielded pottery and a mass of finds, including five large roundhouses showing Iron Age occupation. There's also evidence of Roman and medieval activity, but no one realised the site had been occupied as far back as the Neolithic predating the construction of the Iron Age Hillfort by several thousand years. Oliver Davis, who's a co-director of the CARE project, explained that the ditches appeared to date to the early Neolithic when communities were beginning to first settle and farm in the landscape. The location and number of finds from this period indicate that they have discovered what has caused a causewayed enclosure, a special place where small communities gathered together at certain important times of the year to celebrate feasts and exchange things, possibly even find marriage partners. Such sites are very rare in Wales, with only five other known examples, all of them well, mostly situated in the south. You're probably wondering about the arrowheads and why that means conflict. Well... I seem to have the answer. It's actually the sheer number of flint arrowheads that have been found and broken as a result of impact. This suggests a form of conflict um, that occurred at the, the meeting place over 5,000 years ago. A similar site at a place called Crickley Hill also has this flint arrowhead from this period clustering around the entrances and suggesting that we have a um, conflict situation going on. The cave of Altamira in northern Spain contains some of the world's finest examples of Paleolithic art, bisons, horses and mysterious signs painted and carved into the limestone as much as 22,000 years ago. In 2002, an algae-like mould started to appear on some of the paintings. The cave was then closed to the public, but this year, Altamira was partially reopened. Since late February, five random visitors a week, clad in protective suits, have been allowed inside the cave. However, some scientists who studied Altamira and supported its closure have been upset by this experiment and the possibility of the cave's reopening, regarding both as politically motivated. Altamira was first discovered in 1879 by an amateur botanist and archaeologist during an exploratory visit with his daughter. For decades, his find was dismissed as a fake, but in 1902, a French study confirmed that its striking black and red paintings were indeed prehistoric, turning the cave into a major tourism destination. And by the 1970s, Altamira was attracting more than 150,000 people a year. 
The site was closed in 1979 and then later reopened to just 8,500 visitors a year. In 2002, the cave was completely closed and visitors sent to a nearby museum containing an exact replica of this part of the cave, including its main chamber. In 2013, believe it or not, the replica cave welcomed a quarter of a million visitors. The scientists who oppose any kind of reopening argue that the presence of people alters the temperature and humidity and carbon dioxide levels, helping to spread microbial colonisation on the walls and ceilings, while they added air currents erode wall and sediment surfaces. Lascaux in southwest France was long ago closed to the public after suffering serious fungal damage. Um, Muriel Moriac, the curator of Lascaux, said that she was following developments at Altamira closely. She trusts the Spanish authorities will ultimately take the right decision. Both Altamira and Lascaux are on UNESCO's list of World Heritage Sites, and we can't really afford to lose either of them. Excavations at Katu in northern Cape province of South Africa have produced tens of thousands of earlier Stone Age artefacts, including hand axes and other tools estimated between 700,000 and 1 million years old, a massive deposit of Achillean artefacts. The site is around 56 kilometres west of the Wunderwerk cave, where a sequence of occupation has already produced early evidence of fire use. Katu Townlands shows high-intensity stone tool production, interspersed with exposures of bedrock, calcium carbonate concretions and sand. Calcium carbonate concretions, the calcretes, are a common feature in the area and figure significantly in the deposits in the vicinity of the site. The bedrock outcroppings are dominated by chert, ideal for making stone tools and the availability of high-quality raw material is likely the major reason for repeated exploitation of the resource and the high density of stone tools and napping debris. The site is one of a group of prehistoric sites known as the Katu Complex. Other sites, including Katu Pan 1, which has produced fossils of animals such as elephants and hippos, and, from a level dated to half a million years ago, the earliest known evidence of tools used as spears, well, the Townland site was bought, brought to the attention of the archaeologists in 1980 by the manager of the property who, believe it or not, had observed workmen using gravel composed primarily of million-year-old artefacts being used to repair the roads. Excavations were first conducted there in 1982 and by August 2013 no, excavations were undertaken to mitigate the destruction caused by building work on a portion of the known deposits. These dense, broadly distributed archaeological deposits pose challenges. The town is rapidly expanding and the development is directly threatening deposits beyond the declared National Heritage Site area. The occurrence of low-density Achillean occupation at Wunderwerk Cave suggests significant differences in the intensity of hominin activity between the two flanks of the Kuraman Hills. The density of archaeological remains within the Katu complex is likely related to the availability of nearby water. It's intriguing to consider the possibility that hominin occupation of Wunderwerk Cave during the Achillean period may be the result of seasonal mobility of small groups of hominins dispersing from the core occupation area on the western flanks of the Kuraman Hills. Now, a story which, uh, well, I find actually really quite fascinating. And yes, you can write in and tell me how I got the pronunciation of it wrong. Human footprints have been found in Romania's Chur Izbuk cave, 
I told you you can write him, representing the oldest such impressions in Europe, perhaps even the world. About 400 footprints were first discovered in 1965. Estimates of their age were partly based on the association with cave bear footprints and bones and the belief that the cave bears became extinct near the end of the last ice age. Scientists initially attributed the impressions to a man, a woman and a child who lived between 10 to 15,000 years ago. But recent radiocarbon measurements of two cave bear bones excavated just below the footprints indicate that Homo sapiens were making these tracks around 36,500 years ago. Analysis of 51 footprints that remain indicate that the six or seven individuals, including at least one child, entered the cave after a flood had coated its floor with sandy mud. In some cases, the heel, arch and even toes have been identified. Two cases of bears apparently overprinting humans help establish the antiquity and carbon-14 dates suggest a much greater age than originally thought. Unfortunately, insufficient footprints remain to measure movement variables such as stride length, but detailed three-dimensional mapping of the surviving footprints does allow a more precise description. Uh, sadly, you have to work that one out as well. It's that there was over 400 footprints originally found, but unfortunately when people have been going in to look at them, they have damaged around about 350 of them, leaving only these 51 footprints. Published ages for other Homo sapiens footprints in Europe and elsewhere go back no further than 33,000 years. And scientists believe the footprints are evidence of the earliest known humans in Northern Europe, previously known only from their stone tools. The Romanian footprints are one of the oldest to be described in a peer-reviewed journal, but a number of researchers believe that they have found footprints that are much older. Well, publish, I say, publish. Now, believe it or not, I was actually up in uh, Orkney doing some archaeoastronomy with Dougie Scott, and so I was glad to see another wee article about archaeoastronomy, albeit small. Archaeologists in Peru have found what they believe is a stone altar with petroglyphs dating to three and a half to 4,000 years ago. Researchers say the engravings record star patterns and rain forecasts. That sounds more British than anything, actually. The discovery was made at the archaeological complex of Lucurnique in Peru's northern region of Labayeque, better known for its rich moche past. The name Lambayeque is a Spanish derivation of the god Yampelec, said to have been worshipped by the first Lambayeque king, Nyamlap. Researchers explain that the archaeological site is unique because it combines prehistoric, Hispanic and Andean influences. According to the legend, a great float of balsa rafts arrived in the beaches of San Jose Cove, formed by a brilliant cortege of nine foreign warriors. This float was led by a man of great talent and courage called Nyamlap, the mythical founder of the first Northwest civilization. Among the descendants were the Moche, the Wari and the Chimu people. The Lambayeque region has become an archaeological treasure trove. Just last year, in fact, a religious centre from pre-Incan Chavan culture was discovered in the area. The find was made while trying to test a hypothesis that each valley in the region has a temple dedicated to the water and fertility cult. Now, just pop up the road to Philadelphia. And in the course of upgrading a junction on the main American Interstate 95 highway in Philadelphia, some interesting archaeology has been uncovered. In fact, that archaeology uh, dates from between 5,000 years ago right up to the 1800s. The earliest finds comprise tools, weapons and cooking utensils, which are similar to finds dated to 3650 BCE along the Delaware River. 
Excavations have been completed on two-thirds of the three-mile construction zone. The remaining one-third of this £342 million improvement project should be completed within the next two years. The find so far will be exhibited at the First Presbyterian Church in Kensington in Philadelphia. In the meantime, it's possible to browse through the rich contents by looking at their website. That's diggingi95.com. Digging and then i numeral 9 numeral 5 dot com back to europe where in bergenland in the eastern part of austria the remains um of a prehistoric henge have been found. Even today, this area is sparsely populated, and until now, it believed that the area was first settled around 3300 BCE with the arrival of Indo-European people, and then more permanently settled by the Celts around 500 BCE. But now, a team of archaeologists led by Klaus Locker have uncovered the remains of a large henge dating back to 5000 BCE. The circular complex comprises concentric circular trenches, some up to four metres deep, with defensive walls and several entrances. The circular area is located in a field on the southern outskirts of Rechnitz and was surrounded by wooden poles. It was only after aerial photographs were taken of the district that this ancient system became visible. Now we finish off with uh, another troubling word for me, the Gomfothamer. I'll try again. The Gomfothamer. It's a prehistoric elephant, if you're wondering. Well, hopefully you were. It's actually the cousin of an extinct mammoth, but that's another story as well. Back in 2007 to 2008, archaeologists from the University of Arizona were excavating in the Sonora Desert of northwest Mexico when they uncovered the bones of a large mammal. Not until later, when they found a jawbone, that they fully realised what they'd found. They'd actually uncovered the remains of two gomphotheres, which were dated to 11,390 BCE. But as the excavations progressed, they also uncovered evidence of human activity, including weapons and tools from the Clovis culture. They were in such a juxtaposition to the bones of the Gomphotheres, leading to the conclusion that the animals had been hunted. Vance Halliday, the leader of the team, is quoted as saying that this is the first Clovis Gomphothere. It's the first evidence that people were hunting Gomphotheres in North America. The team discovered much more associated with the Clovis settlement and the full findings and published that in July 2014 proceedings for the National Academy of Sciences with a summary statement. The data expanded our understanding of the age range for Clovis, Clovis diet, raw material preference and the late Pleistocene megafauna assemblage of North America and has now provided evidence for the southern origin of the Clovis techno-complex. Well, on that bombshell, I will now bid you adieu, seeing as we're off to uh, Quebec. And I'll leave you with uh, this thought. I'll be back in about 10 days' time, and I'll be reporting on uh, what I've been up to. You can, of course, try and keep up with Past Horizons, because we are going to desperately try and keep up with Past Horizons as well. You can always, however, find more at wonderful Stone Pages, news.stonepages.com. Thanks so much. To listen for listening to us, in fact, and we hope you will return when I get back from.